Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. How many times have you ever heard the expression, say what you mean and mean what you say? You see, that's a lived experience. Uh, example of the experience of integrity. And as we've already mentioned, that's what today's service is about as we continue exploring the core values of Unity of Fairfax and as we see how we might use the core values of Unity of Fairfax to inspire each one of us to re-engage with our own core values, to take a look to see what it is that are that is the guiding principle or principles that we use to live our lives. So I just want to do a very quick recap of where we've been so far. So on June 6th, we began the series by looking at our core value of spirit-centered. The tagline that we use to describe this value is that we turn to spirit, to, to spirit for guidance and active communication, which implies a variety of different things. It implies that spirit is animated, it's alive, it's real. We know that it implies that spirit is positive. After all, we're looking to it for guidance, and my assumption is that we're looking for smart and wise guidance. This implies that spirit is aware of us, and that it wants good for us, and that we have the capacity to see or hear or intuit or experience it in some way, shape, form, so that we might be in this active communication. So we discussed that it's a little challenging for us, though, because it often causes us or guides us to break out of our comfort zone, our routines, and do the new thing or be a new way that might be uncomfortable for us. And who wants to be uncomfortable? I know I don't. I just assume go the easy route. Still, when we follow the leading of spirit, whether easy or difficult, and sometimes it is easy, all turns out well. The following week, we looked at our core value of peace, and our tagline for that was, as bearers of Spirit's divine inspiration, we are the peace we hope to see in the world. Now, that implies that we recognize a relationship with Spirit, namely that in this relationship, we carry its divine inspiration. Each one of us has a point and a purpose for being here, to be a conduit of Spirit in the world. And that we are called to share, not just keep it for ourselves, but to share with the world. It also causes us to realize and accept the truth that we are peace incarnate, even if we know it or not, even if we demonstrate it or not. The fact is, it is always there at the core of our being. And then there's the other part of it that says, we're not seeing peace in the world. It's real easy to verify that one. So ultimately, though, to bring peace in the world, we need to begin with ourselves by tending to our self-care, by getting rest, by having fun, by nurturing our bodies and souls. Because if we don't tend to our well-being, both ourselves and the organizations to which we belong will be limited in their capacity and our capacity to inspire the world and create and maintain peace. You ever tried to be a force for good in the world when you're tired and burnt out and at the, you know, and just sick and tired of being sick and tired? It's really hard to do. So care for yourself. Care for the organizations you're a part of. That's the primary beginning to be peace in the world. 
Now, last week, we looked at the core value of inclusivity. And our tagline for this says that we are welcoming, cooperative, connected, accepting, and compassionate to all. That sure is easy, isn't it? Well, simply put, though, all people are welcome in our world. All behaviors are not. You see, inclusivity does not mean abetting malicious intent or bullying. You know, even the Bible reveals that Jesus, our master teacher and way shower, had wonderful and cordial relationships with all manner of people. But he didn't hesitate to call out hypocritical behaviors that impeded the manifestation and the demonstration of what he called the kingdom of God, where everyone worked. Where every, yeah, everybody works. They all have to go to work. Where everybody had a place of honor, or as we might say, the beloved community. He called them out out of the sense of the prophetic tradition to bring them back into integrity, to remember who they were. His point wasn't to exacerbate or exploit divisions for his own personal gain. His point was to create a world that worked for everyone, where everyone was valued and appreciated. See, it's my affirmation that we will, again, take in these core values and ask ourselves, is that one of mine, or do I maybe have a different one? Well, let's look at today's core value of integrity. Our byline and tagline for this one is, our thoughts, words, and deeds are trustworthy, authentic, respectful, and responsible. A metaphysical meaning of the word spiritual integrity from uh, Charles Fillmore, co-founder of the Unity Movement, was this. Spiritual integrity is that quality of consciousness which makes one unswerving in his, his or her conformity to the divine standard. Now, the divine standard is illustrated repeatedly throughout the Bible, and I've selected a few verses that highlight this, one from the Hebrew Scriptures and one from the Christian Scriptures. Out of Proverbs, we read, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. And Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is anything of excellence or anything that is praiseworthy, think about these things. And I would go ahead and amend the text and then do these things. You know, let's put some action to the words. However, however, there's always a however, right? If only life were so easy that our motives were never questioned. If only everyone worked together for the common good and we all had an agreement for what that term meant. If only competing interests created better solutions rather than irreconcilable differences. If only we had all the information we wanted or needed when we had to make a decision. If only all of our motivations were conscious and pure. If only it was obvious what the right thing to do was in every situation. If only no one was ever tempted to do the wrong thing or the unhelpful thing. If only, if only, if only. 
These are the struggles when we endeavor to live in integrity. I want to segue for a moment and give us an example of somebody who highlighted this experience of integrity in the outer as well as the inner. And that's the Apostle Paul, whose letters are found in the, towards the back end of the Christian scriptures. He didn't know Jesus personally, but he did have a famous awakening to the presence of the risen Christ. And you can read about it in the book of Acts, which interestingly enough was written by the same author of the book of Luke. Both are in the Christian scriptures, also known as the New Testament. So following his awakening, which is sometimes called a conversion, but it really wasn't because it didn't convert for him anything. He remained a Jew his entire life. So anyway, following his awakening, he took it upon himself to spread the good news of the risen Christ to non-Jewish people around the Mediterranean. His missionary journeys are well documented in his letters, which are found in the Bible. Needless to say, the guy bringing the new information often met with resistance and criticism and sometimes violence, and some of which originated within himself. He says so in Romans chapter 7, when he said, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. I do not understand my own actions, for I do what I do not want, and I do, don't do... Let me start over again. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I mean, how many of us has ever looked at ourselves in the mirror and say, what the heck are you doing? What the heck are you thinking? Are there marbles in there? What's going on? And yet, he always struggled to do the right thing, especially in his public missionary and his calling. As he says in 2 Corinthians, for we are taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but in the eyes of man. And we would say man and woman. To this later point, in the eyes of man, British author C.S. Lewis once said, do the right thing, even if no one is looking. As we all know, in the 21st century, people are always looking and they're getting it on cell phone video, and they're posting it on social media, and they're playing it on television, and they're using it on, in court. I saw a meme the other day that said, dance as if nobody's watching, but watch your posts as if they're going to be played in court with love, your lawyer. <laughs> so I prefer Dr. King's adage when he said, the time is always right to do what is right. You see, this way you don't have to worry about if people are watching. But I digress. So in these two spiritual examples, Paul is highlighting his struggle with maintaining the divine standard or his efforts to say what he means and mean what he says while being active and engaged in the world with all of its conflicting agendas and energies. And he's really working at being self-aware at the same time. This is an example of integrity. And it's a struggle. And my friends, the struggle is real. So many temptations out there. And I'd wager that it goes back even beyond Bible times to the birth of consciousness when humanity first developed the capacity to understand right and wrong 
or as we might say, ethics. So for as individuals on the journey of awakening the Christ spirit within, maintaining integrity is key, even while acknowledging our humanity. Or put another way, even while recognizing that we are all capable of committing the errors or the sins of omission or commission in our thought process and even in our actions. There's a line I use in a wedding service from a poem, and it says something to the effect of life, of, of being able in your relationship to understand the mistakes that life is unable to avoid. Well, if only we could. And sometimes we really set us ourselves up for some wonderful learning experiences if we're willing to see them in that way. So what do you do? What do you do when that happens? What do you do if you realize that you've misstepped or made an error in some way, shape, or form that violates your own sense of integrity? Well, I would wager and offer that the 12 Steps of Recovery programs offer great and amazing practical tools. If you're not familiar with them, please look them up online. They're incredible resources. And the best way to use them is to use all 12 in a concerted program. However, for the sake of what we have time for today, I want to draw your attention to steps 8, 9, and 10 because they really speak to integrity as a way of reclaiming one's sense of serenity and empowerment. Step 8 made a list of all the persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Notice, became willing to. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would earn, injure them or others. Sometimes you don't want to pull off a scab. And number 10, very important, continued to take personal inventory. And when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. You see, the point is that when integrity has been broken, we usually feel it and we know it. And when we've harmed somebody else or even ourselves, because sometimes we are the, own, the, the victim of our own intransigence, it is imperative to acknowledge the wrong, make amends, and strive to do better. As they say in the rooms, ours is a program of progress, not perfection. Ours, I would say, is a program of getting down to that peace that is buried and latent within every one of us and allowing it to be, give, be expressed, allowing ourselves to be bearers of Spirit's divine inspiration. But we can't do that if we're not willing to acknowledge what's going on in here, <laughs> definitely in here. So to close... The great American hero, Frederick Douglass, once said, I prefer to be true to myself, even at the hazard of incurring the ridicule of others, rather than to be false and incur my own abhorrence. Born into slavery, he went on to be a true hero and inspiration. And I think the reason he was able to do that was because he was true to himself and modeled integrity. You know, wherever you go, there you are. 
You can never escape yourself. So it is imperative that in order to have life and have it abundantly, you must respect yourself. So, my friends, that's my invitation to you to be true to yourself. And you'll never have to worry about your integrity. Peace be with you, and namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Or view our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org. We appreciate our donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.